Our message title today is Jesus and the Desperate. And as we read through the passage together, uh, we saw there two people that were in a very desperate situation. So that's what we want to talk about today. Um, Have you ever been in a truly desperate situation? I'm sure many of you have. And of course, we all will be at a place like that at some time in our lives. As much as we don't even want to think about that, um, those times are inevitable. A place where your circumstances uh, have overwhelmed you, uh, where the matter is beyond urgent and there doesn't seem to be anyone to turn to, uh, where every resource has been exhausted and the problem still remains. That's where these two people were. Uh, The man with his precious daughter's urgent life and death situation and the woman with her incurable illness. But what we're gonna see is that it was in their time of desperation that Jesus met them. And, And what we can be confident of and what I want you to be confident of when we are finished here today is that there's no situation too desperate for Jesus. And and it's so important to know that Jesus is there in those times of desperation because when we are desperate, what happens is we're tempted to just, you know, grab for anything that's going to bring relief and, and sometimes in a situation like that, we can, we can make a huge mistake. We can make the wrong decision, and we don't want to do that. We want to always remember that, no, the Lord is there. And, and regardless of how desperate the situation seems, the Lord is always there with the ability and uh, the desire to meet us and help us through that. So what we wanna do is we wanna look, first of all, at the two desperate people here, and then we'll follow the story as it goes. But first of all, we're introduced to this man, Jairus. He is, um, as it says here, he's one of the rulers of the synagogue. If this is the synagogue in Capernaum, we're not, didn't tell us exactly what synagogue, but um, this, this was a man who had obviously come into contact with Jesus in some way. And he finds himself in uh, an extremely desperate situation. And so when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly. So this is desperation right here. So, you know, I mean, he's, so he's the ruler of the synagogue. He's a, he's a man of influence. And he's just, you know, he doesn't uh, care about any of that stuff right now. He, he is so desperate. He just throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he begs him saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. It doesn't get any more desperate than that, does it? I mean, that is, that, that's the, the kind of scenario that none of us ever wanna find ourselves in the scenario that this man is in here. This is his daughter. She's 12 years old. We know that from the, uh, later on in the story, it tells us her age. And so I would imagine 
that um, this little girl was the apple of her father's eye. I have two daughters, and I know what it's like to love uh, a daughter. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, flew back home to New York last night, dropped her off at the airport, and um, you know, she's 37 years old, and it's still like, don't go. <laughs> you know, just stay, please. You know, you, there's just that love that you have, and that's, that's undoubtedly what was in the heart of J. Iris. And now his, his whole world is shattered. His little girl is, is on the, the verge of death. He is desperate. What does he do? Well, remember, Jesus wasn't really welcomed in the synagogues. He wasn't really accepted. Um, as a matter of fact, many of the religious leaders were uh, suggesting that he wasn't really from God and so forth. But you know, Jairus is at that point where he knows the reputation of Jesus. He's undoubtedly heard uh, about his power. Maybe he was even in the synagogue when Jesus healed the man with a withered hand. Um, but he knows where to go. He's going to Jesus. And so he comes to the Lord and he says, come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus he complies. He went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. But now we come to another desperate person. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So here's this woman. Now, notice she has an, an issue of blood. So uh, beyond her normal monthly um, cycle, this is an ongoing thing, 12 years now, think about this just from the physical standpoint. So th this woman is physically, I'm sure, just extremely weakened. You know, we know today that if you have that, that kind of regular blood loss, you're going to go in. Anemia is certainly going to result from that. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of physical weakness and things that are there um, with her. And this, is, this has been a 12-year period for her. And, but just remember that she's 12 years in this situation. The daughter is 12 years old. There's, there's a connection between those two things, but not only is she physically suffering for all these years, but because of her condition, she would have also been considered impure, uh, ritualistically impure. So under the old Testament system, there were certain things that, that caused you to be uh, impure, and it wasn't some a thing like, you know, if this was your 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 case, then God hated you or anything like that. But you were cut off from the ritual aspect of the worship because of any kind of impurity or uncleanness, and that not only kind of excluded you from the the the, the public worship but it also would inevitably uh, separate you from people because the law had said that 
if you touched an unclean person, then you would become unclean. And in the environment that they were in at this time with the Pharisees who were, who were so incredibly rigid about everything, you know, there was like no place for mercy in their minds. It was just, this woman is unclean. You stay as far away from her as, she can, as you can. So she was a person who was uh, excluded. She was ostracized. So she's in a very desperate situation. And notice she's tried everything and nothing has helped. She's uh, gone to many physicians. She spent all of her resources and she's not only not any better, she's actually gotten worse. But like Jairus, somehow she knows about Jesus and she's heard the stories. She's maybe even witnessed from a distance with her own eyes, some of what is happening. And so she gets this thought in her mind. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, that would heal me. Wow, that is amazing faith that this woman has. That's what she's thinking. And so that is exactly what she does. So she comes up behind Jesus in the crowd. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? They're like, you're joking, right? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? Now, remember what's happening here. Jairus has come. My daughter is on the verge of death. Come and lay your hands on her. Jesus says, yes, let's go. And now all of a sudden Jesus stops and he turns and he's beginning to look at the crowd. And you can imagine that at this point, Jairus is like, wait, wait, what, what are you doing? No, hurry, Jesus, let's, no, we have to go. It's urgent. And not only does Jesus stop and begin to look around at the crowd, he then suddenly asks, who touched me? And this woman comes forth. Now, I am sure that initially, Jairus saw this as just no, 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 no. This is not the time. Okay, I get it. You, you've got a problem. I understand it. But it's not like the problem I have. You, you've lived with this. It's uncomfortable. But, but listen, my daughter is going to die any moment. Jesus has to get there. And so you, you can only imagine how Jairus would have thought that this was a delay that shouldn't take place. But yet Jesus stops everything. And he calls out this woman who touched me. And the woman, as we see, she, um, she fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she came, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, listen, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Listen again, daughter. He calls her daughter. Look at the next verse. What does the next verse say? While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. 
the worst possible news for Jairus. But, you know, there's something happening here. And where it seemed like this woman has caused a delay that has prevented Jesus from getting there and preventing her from dying, you know, actually what's happening is this woman is there to assure J. Iris that everything's gonna be okay. That's really what's happening here. Now, think about this. So the woman, she touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. She's immediately healed. Jesus senses that power goes out from him. Jesus doesn't have to stop. He can just keep going. Okay, he, he knows what happened, but he could have easily just kept that to himself and carried on and the woman was healed and she probably would have gone out and told the story, but Jesus stops. And again, like, like I've said, with Jairus, you would know for sure. He's like, no, 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 Jesus, don't stop. Keep going. Come on, we gotta hurry. But Jesus intentionally stops. Why? Because this woman's faith is going to be the thing that is going to encourage Jairus when this word now comes. And to me, it's no accident that Jesus says to her daughter. And then immediately afterward, they come, your daughter is dead. But Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. I'm sure this woman was older than Jesus. Jesus was only 32 years old, maybe at the time. She's probably an older woman but he refers to her as daughter and he does so intentionally so that when the word comes to Jairus, daughter, uh, your daughter is dead, he's, he's able to connect these things. And suddenly that would seem like an interruption. That would seem like uh, something that you know, shouldn't have happened. Suddenly Jairus realizes that that's the word that he needs to hear. He, he needed to see that that woman's faith did result in what she believed it would result in. Because remember, Jairus said, you come, you lay your hands on her, and I know that she will be healed. So he has faith. But you can also imagine, when, you know, so he's thinking Jesus got to get there as quick as he can so she can get healed. Jairus isn't thinking that, well, even if she dies, it's going to be okay because Jesus will take care of it. He's, he doesn't think that. But that's exactly what happened. But he, he needed to know that even though that happened, and so Jesus turns to him immediately, and what does he say? He says... As as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken about his daughter being dead, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And the the point that I'm making is that Jairus now has uh, right in front of him the basis for his ongoing faith. He has, he has a, a, a living example of somebody right in front of him who he can say, you know what? I, I don't need to be afraid because this woman, she just was healed by Jesus and Jesus said her faith had made her whole. Now Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. So this is all really to bolster the faith of, of Jairus 
in the face of the message, your daughter has died. Don't be afraid. And so see the connection here. Don't be afraid, only believe. The woman was, for Jairus, uh, a faith builder. And the Lord allowed all of this to happen in order to prepare Jairus and to strengthen his faith for that moment. You see, here's the the thing. A lot of times what happens in our lives is that we find ourselves in a desperate situation and then it seems like the Lord, it's like, Lord, you're delaying. What is going on? Uh, And we, we think that somehow God is, he's overlooked or he's unaware or he's not going to do anything because, uh, you know, there there's, seems to be a delay. But this is what we, we all need to know. No, it, it's all part of the bigger plan that God has. And those things that seem to us like a delay or an interruption in the plan, those are the things that God will allow to be inserted into the situation to build our faith. See, there, there's nothing that's, uh, accidental happening here. It's not like, oh no, we were, we were right on course to be there on time and to get her taken care of, but th- this, this lady came up and, and now it's all lost. No, it's all part of the plan. So when, you know, we, we have in our minds, we have an idea of th- this is the way it's going and where it's going, and this is the time frame that it's going in, and then it doesn't work out that way. And our, our temptation is to think that somehow, um, I don't know, you know, God lost control of the situation or he didn't care or he doesn't love me or, you know, whatever we might think. But no, it's not that at all. It's that God is, is actually, he's, he's going to, in the bigger picture, he's gonna use all of these things. Now, as I said, this woman she is, for Jairus, uh, a builder of his faith. And so even when the word comes that your daughter is dead and Jesus says, you know, j- don't be afraid, just, just believe, he's got that, like I said, that immediate testimony from that woman to say, okay, even though she died, okay, Lord, I, I will believe. And you see, God has given us witness all throughout the ages of of his faithfulness in order to build up our faith so that when we find ourselves in these times of desperation, that we don't panic, that we don't make the wrong decision, that we don't run to the wrong place thinking that we're going to get the solution there, but that, that we would be able to trust the Lord. And he's given us that first of all in the pages of scripture. See, one of the reasons why we as Christians need to be immersed in our Bibles is because God has, uh, you know, put his word together and interwoven all of these stories about people. Have you ever noticed that when you're reading through the Bible? You know, sometimes you're reading just these stories about people like, you know, who are these people? And they, they're just so ordinary. 
And it's like somebody, you know, following you around for a few weeks and writing down your daily activity and events and then sticking it in a book that's going to be eternal. You would think, well, why would anybody do that? And I'm sure that if people from those previous generations realized that, wow, their story is just going to be told over and over and over and over again for thousands of years to strengthen the faith of other believers, they would have never imagined that that could be the case. But that is what was happening. Now, the Bible, as we know, is a, a lot of the Bible is historical narrative. It's the, it's the lives of these people. But this isn't just there just to tell us what happened. It's there to show us what we can expect God to do in our lives, in the various situations that we find ourselves in, in the various circumstances that we enter into, whether they're just, you know, ordinary decision-making processes or times of intense desperation. So that's why we need to be in God's word. He's given us his word. And, and it's the stories that we fall back on and we realize just like this man could look at this woman and say, I can trust. Okay, I'm gonna believe because of her story that I just witnessed. And so we open the pages of scripture and we say, you know, look at what God did here with this person. And, and look, look what he did with, with that person there. You know, a lot of people think that the Bible is, um, they think it's outdated. They think it's irrelevant. They think it's, you know, um, why, why would anybody even bother to read the Bible? What, what benefit does it have for me today? Well, many, many, many benefits, but one of them is this one that I'm talking about. It reminds us of how God faithfully works in the lives of his people. And so we take these stories and we say, you know, what God did here with them is similar to my story. And God, I'm going to trust you that the outcome in my story is going to be similar to the outcome of their story. You know, in my own personal experience, uh, I, I have gone through desperate seasons in my life. You know, sometimes I, I will allude to that up here. Um, and I rarely, uh, publicly have never really, you know, gone into a ton of detail about it. Some people who've known me well and known me a long time know some of the details. But, but I went through a long, long season of illness where I was uh, in times of deep, deep depression and things. And, and I, when I think of desperate, I I know by experience what desperate is. I know times of, of panic and anxiety that I just so desperate at that moment, like, what, what am I going to do? And, and I can stand here today and tell you that it was through so often the pages of scripture that God would meet me and, and give me something to put my trust in that, that, would, that would bring me through. And if I could show you my older Bibles uh, I, I could show you dates and scriptures that are underlined and promises that God spoke to me at the time that he did indeed fulfill. And that's what God 
wants us all to have through his word. Because Paul, in writing to the Roman church, uh, said this. He said, the things that were written before, talking about what we call the Old Testament, he said, those things were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So you see, that, that's why God gave us his word. So the best thing you can do for yourself in preparation for the desperate hour that will come, they come to all of us, the best thing you could possibly do is just be rooted in God's word so that when those desperate times come, you have that place to flee and you have those many examples to say, Lord, I, this is that person that I, I identify with and, and I see what you did with them. And Lord, I believe that for myself. That's faith. But we have not only the biblical record, but you know, we have what's called church history as well. Because the work of God in the lives of people didn't stop with the completion of the scriptures. The work of God in the lives of his people goes on, right? On and on and on and on to, to this very day. And I have also found much hope and comfort and strength and um, peace through reading about the lives of the saints beyond the biblical period. And that's why I encourage people, you know, read church history, read the biographies of Christians, read the biographies of missionaries, because these, these things will strengthen your faith. They will show you the faithfulness of God. They will show you what God does in certain circumstances. You know, a lot of times I, I hear stories about things you, you probably heard just recently here. This young man uh, went to this island off of India as, you know, hoping to go and share the gospel with them. And he was murdered by them. Uh, they don't want any people, you know, interrupting their society there. So uh, like others before him who have gone, uh, he was also killed. And there's all kinds of conversation about that in the, in the media and, you know, people questioning why somebody would even do something like that. And, there, you know, a variety of opinions on, you know, did he do it right? Should he have done it at all? And so forth. His name was John Chow. And uh, what, 27, 28 years old or something like that. And, you know, so he's, he's gone now down in history as a martyr. But, but right when I heard his story, it reminded me of another story. It reminded me of the story, and many, many people made this connection, the story of uh, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and uh, those uh, men, those, those five men back in 1956 who tried to do a similar thing to a different group of people. And they went and they tried to make contact with them and they were all slain by them. And for many, they thought, wow, what, you know, what a waste of these amazing lives, these, these young men. But as the story unfolded, that very tribe that murdered them, they all ended up coming to faith in Jesus. And actually the man who threw the spear through Jim Elliott has stood on this platform and shared with our congregation his story of coming to faith after that. So when I heard the story of John Chow, I thought, wow, this is, you know, has some similarities, it's different. But my whole point is to say this, um, you know, knowing these things, knowing our, our uh, ancestry, if you will, 
knowing those that have, that have gone before us, both biblically and in the history of the church, it, it does for us what this woman did for Jairus at this desperate moment in his life. So, church history in five minutes. A great podcast. Five minute snippets of, uh, or I think it's five minutes in church history. Uh, but but it's, it's fantastic. You can, you know, you listen to five of them on the way to work. And you just get all of this great uh, understanding and insight into what God has done in and through the lives of, of his people throughout history. There's a book that um, is also a, like a devotional and it's called, I think it's One Year in Church History and it starts on January 1st and just takes you all the way through and, and just gives you you know a few paragraphs to ponder uh, the lives of different people. And all, I'm saying this, that, that these kinds of things will help our faith. They will strengthen our faith. And when we come to those desperate times, we have uh, a resource to fall back on and to remember, wait, God did this. Wait, oh, this, this reminds me of something else. I remember some years ago, there was a situation that was happening that I was involved in and it wasn't a good situation for me. And I remember when, as it was unfolding, I remember thinking in my mind, man, this reminds me of something else. But I couldn't quite remember what it was that it reminded me of. It's like, wait, somebody's been here before. And finally, I put the pieces together and I realized, wow, the situation that I find myself in right now is, I, in, you know, in some ways, it's identical to this story in the Bible. And... And it, it was a situation where um, it was, Jake, you know, the Jacob and Esau story where Jacob is trying to get the, the blessing and, and uh, Isaac's planning to give it to Esau and Jacob and Rebekah come up with a scheme to get it from Isaac. And as, as it all came together in my mind and I put the pieces together, I said, oh yeah, this is Jacob and Esau. And the Lord just spoke to me this fast and said, yes, that's what it is, but don't do what Jacob did. It's like, oh, okay, good. Because Jacob connived, he schemed, you know, he plotted, he, uh, he, he was deceitful. He did all of that to try to get God's blessing. And God's saying, yeah, this is a similar story, but just don't do that part of it. So we have that. But then there's one more thing that I want to say. You see, you have a story. And the people around you have a story. And that's why it's not only the biblical story. It's not only the story of the past. Guess what? It's the story of, of Christians around you today. That's why we need to be in fellowship with each other. That's why we need to be connected. And that's why we need to be engaged. Now, it's great to come to church on Sunday morning. Thank you for coming. Glad you're here. Keep coming back. But don't stop at that. Don't just say, okay, yeah, I went to church on Sunday. It's great. Now it's all good. And I'll be back maybe next Sunday. Because you need the people around you for a variety of things. But one of the things you need to hear their stories. So a few years ago, we... Um, 
we began to emphasize community life. We began to talk about community groups and we've established, you know, 20 plus and around the community. You know, as we come into 2019, we're gonna just ratchet that up because my goal as a pastor here is that everyone in this congregation would be involved in a smaller group of Christians where you can have deep engagement and fellowship and where you can be um, helped and encouraged and strengthened through the testimony of your brothers and sisters. Because here's what happens. Sometimes, again, you're in a moment of desperation. Nobody even knows it. You're, you're keeping it hidden, but you know, like this woman, you know that this is a, it, it just, this can't go on. You need help. You need some, something to hold on to. And let's just say, you know, you go and you get, you're involved in one of these groups and, you know, maybe you finally get enough courage to say, you know, this is what I'm going through, but you think nobody's going to be able to relate. And then the person across the room from you says, oh, well, listen, let me tell you a story about what God did in my life. And that story becomes the very word that you desperately needed. And you had no idea that that was the person's story, but you were able to be enriched by it because of, uh, of that connection. So you see, like I said, desperate times come for all of us. Our faith has to be built up just like this desperate moment came for Jairus and there was that woman to build her, uh, to build his faith. And so as we apply ourselves to the scriptures, as we get a broader knowledge of the work of God throughout history, as we engage more with one another, we will put ourselves in that place so that when we find ourselves in that desperate moment, like I said, we're not making the wrong decision, but we're doing what Jesus said. We're not being afraid and we're believing. And as we see here in the text, we see the rest of the story. Jesus uh, takes Peter James and John, he goes into the house of Jairus there. Uh, his daughter has died. And Jesus comes in and he says, she's not dead, she's asleep. Some people have thought, well, maybe she didn't really die. No, she really died. The other two gospels make it clear that she had really died. But to Jesus, she was asleep because he was about to wake her up. And that's what he did. And he went and he took her by the hand. And as we read there, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise, or, or probably more literally, get up, wake up. And he brought her back and gave her to her parents. And what a beautiful ending to the story. So no accidents in God's kingdom. God providentially oversees our lives. The seeming delays are God's ways of building us up so that our faith will be strengthened, so that when the desperate hour comes, we can make it through those desperate times. We can come out the other side. Now, in, in our case here, we have two, you know, the, the best outcomes, right? The woman wants to be healed. She's healed. 
Uh, Jairus wants his daughter. She's given back to him. These are, the, these are great. It doesn't always turn out like this. In other words, when we trust the Lord, it doesn't always mean that the healing's gonna come. It doesn't mean that there's gonna be a resurrection. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But this is what it does mean. It does mean, and you can be confident in this, that the, the need that you do have, you can be absolutely confident that God will meet that need in a way that will satisfy you. Even though it might not be the desired outcome, it will meet the need in the way that you would be able to say, it is well with my soul. I shared with you recently a few times about my nephew's death in October and my sister. And you know, this is not the outcome that she was hoping for as she prayed for her son for many, many years. But she could tell you today, it is well with my soul. God has met her in a way that is just very personal and special to her and given her the ability in the midst of of this desperate thing that she's gone through, given her the ability to just rest and believe and trust. And I spoke to her yesterday and the pain of course is there, but there's a peace that is uh, over the pain even. And, And so all that to say, the Lord he wants to meet us and he's there to meet us and he will meet us in those times. But take advantage of the word that he's given you. Take advantage of the broader knowledge and engage with other believers. Know the stories of faith so that in the hour that comes, you can recall that and say, wow, I remember what God did for that person and I'm going to be encouraged and I'm going to trust that my situation is going to have um, a similar outcome. It's going to have a good outcome because God is faithful. He's faithful to the desperate. And one final thing in closing, and I want to take it from kind of the, what, you know, maybe the physical realm into just a uh, this, this other realm of conversion. Now, the woman, we see that she, before any of this was publicly made known, she knows internally that something has happened to her. And what I want to say is this, you know, regardless of the outward circumstances, if you put your faith in Jesus, this is what you will know. You will know that something has happened. And that, that's what it says about her. She felt in her body that something had changed. And, you know, maybe you're desperate. And like I said earlier, maybe nobody knows you're desperate. Nobody knows how desperate you are. Maybe you've done well at concealing that and keeping that in. But you know you're desperate. And you wonder, how, what is the answer? What, how do I get relief? How do I get help? Well, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the answer to that. And if you open your heart to him, he will come in. And even though your circumstance might not immediately change, you will know that I felt in my body something changed. Sarah Yardley was with us yesterday and Sarah shared a story um, about her ministry in the UK and about a young man that she's been sharing the Lord with for many, many years. And he, he finally came to faith. 
And that was a huge and wonderful uh, revelation that he came to faith. She didn't know. He, he, it was kind of, he kept it a little bit personal, but then he told the story and, you know, it's kind of a long story. She's been um, ministering to him for years, sharing the love, the gospel, giving him some material to read. And, and so one night he just finally comes to a place and says, you know, I've tried everything. I should probably try Jesus. And so he, he just says a prayer, Jesus, you know, if you're real or I don't know the exact words, but, you know, I asked you to come into my life. And he told Sarah that he said that prayer, didn't feel anything and fell asleep. He woke up the next day and he knew that everything had changed. He knew that everything has changed. He could feel it inside. There was something that was different. And that's what happens when we come to Christ. See, our outward circumstances might not change. Or they might change through a process of time, but there's something that will change immediately. And that is something inside. Our hearts will change. And our hearts will go from being hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And we'll go from being in darkness to being in light. We'll we'll go from being dead in trespasses and sins to being made alive together in Christ. And so if you find yourself in a place of desperation today, And maybe like the woman, you've gone to all the physicians. You've been everywhere. You've spent every bit of your resources on on trying to get relief and you never have. Well, Jesus is the answer. He's the one. Come to him. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us this book, the Bible, that you've given us these stories that are true stories. And Lord, they're they're given to us for our own life experience. So we can know by the experience of others what we can expect from you. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, that we can expect good things. Just as J. Iris He knew if you could just lay your hands on his daughter, she would be well. Just like that woman, she knew if she could just touch the hem of your garment, she would be whole. And they were. And so, Lord, may we know today that that is true today. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're here with us today. You're here among us in this place. You're here at work in the world. And may we find ourselves in those times of desperation or just in the everyday routine, mundane things, looking to you and trusting you and knowing your presence with us. Lord, I pray for anyone that that is in that desperate place today that's never opened their heart to you. May you help them to do that in Jesus' name, amen.